Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, we're going to be telling you guys about the disappearance of Asia Dequila Degree. So pour yourself a cup of fire department coffee and let's dive in. Aisha Tequila Degree was born on August 5th of 1990 and was born to Harold and Aquila Degree. Harold and Aquila had been married since 1988 when they had gotten married on Valentine's Day. Aisha did have a brother whose name was O'Brien, also by the same parents. Aisha lived with her family in a small apartment on Oakcrest Drive in Shelby, North Carolina, and she was described as a cautious, shy nine-year-old who was terrified of dogs and scared of the dark, which the scared of the dark isn't abnormal for, you know, a nine-year-old. I don't know if there was a story to go behind being scared to death of dogs or if that was just a fear that she'd been, she just had. I feel like I've come across quite a few kids who are a little nervous around dogs, especially bigger ones. I mean, yeah, when you're nine years old, you're not very big. So sometimes the dogs are bigger than you and they can knock you down and they come up and like if they stand up, they're right at your face. And I'm sure that can be intimidating. In February of 2000, Aisha was a fourth grader and she was attending Falston Elementary School. On Saturday, February 12th, she had a basketball game that she was a part of and her team did end up losing that game and she was really upset about it, but she ended up getting over it and watching her brother's basketball game. Then the next morning on Sunday, February 13th, her and her brother went with some relatives to go to church and then after church, they returned home. Everything was totally normal that day. Her and her brother O'Brien went to bed between 8 and 8.30 p.m. as they had school the next morning. Around 1230 in the morning, all of the power went out in the neighborhood because there had been a car accident nearby that had hit a power line. So at this point, their dad, Harold, went in and checked on the kids just to make sure everything was fine. Like I had mentioned before, Aisha was afraid of the dark, so it would make sense that Harold would want to go check on them if all the power was out. When he went in there, both Aisha and O'Brien were sleeping in their beds and he went and checked on them one more time around 2.30 in the morning before he went to bed. And once again, both of the kids were asleep. The next morning when Aquila goes to wake up both the kids around 6.30 in the morning for school, she can't find Aisha. So she starts looking around and she's not finding any trace of her. Immediately after discovering that Aisha was not in her bed, her mother Aquila called the cops and the first officers arrived within 10 to 15 minutes and immediately sent out tracker dogs. We'll say when I was first reading this and like looking into it and they said that they sent out tracker dogs, I kind of pulled back for a second because I was like, if Aisha is afraid of dogs and they sent out dogs to look for her, she could take off and like run farther, right? Yeah, that's true. But also if they have a good scent and can like track her down, I don't feel like she's gonna be able to outrun like adults and dogs at least. But when you said tracker dogs, my brain went straight to Hunger Games for some reason, like the tracker jackers. (laughs) And I was like, that's aggressive. And I was like, wait, no, it's not. (laughs) No, not quite that. It was more like just little puppies that were like going around sniffing, trying to find Aisha's scent. But as you said, like if they were able to pick up on her scent, but they weren't able to find any sort of scent from Aisha. 
which is unfortunate and sounds strange. However, there was a terrible storm that night. And so they think that because of the storm and like the water and the strong wind, like it probably just washed her scent away. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Not to mention if it's um, really windy, I feel like a lot of different smells would be coming in as well. Yeah, while these dogs are trained, there's only so much that they can do when the environment is working against them. If you guys haven't checked it out, we did do an episode on scent dogs and their training and how they work. It is available on our Patreon. It's a mini. So Aquila starts running through the neighborhood. She gathers friends and family and they're all yelling and trying to find Aisha. They're all yelling for her, but they're not finding anything. Was her um, like window open or do they think she went out the front door or back door? What what do they think she left from? That's what I was going to go into. So. And it sounds like they initially kind of go out with the thought process that she did go off on her own. You know, if they're walking around the neighborhood yelling. Yes. So I don't know if they just walked around the neighborhood yelling because that was all that they could do at the that time. But upon further investigation, they did determine that there was no signs of forced entry. So she would have left on her own was what they kind what they ended up concluding. They also concluded that she had packed a book bag with some of her personal items and then left. So she had put a couple sets of clothing in there and some of her like personal things and then left. It is strange though, if you remember, I said it was storming. So it's strange that she would have up and left in the middle of the night during a storm. Especially when you said, I mean, it sounds like she didn't really have much of a reason to run away. The only thing that her family was able to like conclude or even point towards was that she had been upset about the way that she had played at the basketball game on Saturday. Apparently, the team lost by one point because she had fouled. So she definitely felt like it was on her. But they said that by Sunday, she seemed to be normal and like not like back to normal emotionally like she wasn't as upset about it anymore and then it was sunday night monday morning when she would have left one thing that they also noted that was kind of strange that it occurred around the time that she went missing at this point in time asia was reading a book with her fourth grade class that was called the whipping boy by sid fleishman and apparently this book which i had not heard of this book before Maybe we read it in elementary and I just don't remember. But apparently this book is about a prince and a commoner child. And every time the like royal person does something wrong, the prince and the commoner child get like they lash out against them and they get in trouble for the other person doing the wrong. And so then in the story, the prince and the child run away And then they go on like all of these adventures. And that's what the book talks about is all these adventures that they go on. And then at the end of the story, they return home safe. So family and like investigators were like, maybe she thought that this book sounded really fun. And she was like, I want to run away and go on all these adventures like I was reading about in this fictional book. And then she tried to do that. What do you think about that, Abby? Um, Because I can see your face. (laughs) I feel like that's a far stretch. I mean, obviously kids like their minds work in different ways. But I feel like a nine-year-old has a strong enough sense of that's not how real life is to like be reading the book and then just go off and hope the adventures are going to happen. However, I I mean, I don't know. I didn't know her, obviously. So I'm not sure if um, maybe she was a little bit more imaginative and got lost in that like fantasy world more often. I'm not sure, but it seems a little odd. The mystery has been solved. 
Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. I think it's weird. I do think it's possible. I mean, when I was a kid and I would read books, I was always like, man, I wish I could do what they're doing in these books, obviously. There was a book that I used to read repeatedly as a kid that was about a boy who ran away from home and lived in the woods with his dog. And they lived in this little tree and they would eat acorn pancakes. And as a child, I always just wanted to live in a tree in the side of a mountain and eat acorn pancakes as a child because of that book. I never went as far as doing it, but I also know that maybe some kids are more determined. Either way, whether or not she left because of that book or she just left because she was upset, it's not really known. But those are the only events that happened around this time that anybody could kind of pinpoint. Police did receive two reports from two separate individuals that said that they'd seen a young female walking along Highway 18. They did say that it was in the opposite direction of Aisha's home. And this is about four o'clock in the morning. So it would have been a possible sighting of Aisha. As we know, she had last been checked on about 2.30 and her mom went to wake him up around 6.30. Now, when you say young female, I've, what does that mean? Did they specify? Because to me, that sounds like like a teenager or like a 20-year-old, not a child. That's kind of my first thought. But the way that they described it, they said that they thought that it was Asia. But it was as they were driving. Hmm. So they were driving. They passed her. And then one of them turned around to go back and check on the girl. But she had, the girl had left the road and gone off into the woods. And they didn't decide to go chase her, which... To be fair, I would not have either. No, I don't think that. I don't think I would have either. So they did say that she was wearing the person that they saw walking around along the road was wearing a white long sleeve shirt, which was what Asia was known to be wearing at the time of her disappearance. But if I saw a young girl in a white shirt walking along the road around four o'clock in the morning disappear into the woods, I would probably say I'm out for multiple reasons. Like, one, did I just see your ghost? Or is this some sort of plan to kidnap me? Like, I stopped. So real quick, though, did they report this? um, And I'm sorry if you said this, the next day? Or did they call in at that time and report it? They called in right away. And police officers were there by within 10 to 15 minutes. So it was 630 when she went to wake them up. By 7 o'clock, they're out on the streets looking for her. No, no. The person who saw her walking on the road. Oh, that was that afternoon. Okay. There were two people that came forward and said it. The one said they'd stopped to try to go talk to her and see what was going on. But both of them had reported that that afternoon. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So the things that were believed to have been missing from her house were her black book bag, a black Tweety Bird purse, a pair of blue jeans with a red stripe, black sneakers, a long sleeved white shirt with purple lettering, a red vest with black trim, black overalls with Tweety Bird on them, And a long sleeve black and white shirt. So it seemed like she had packed her bag with the idea of maybe staying somewhere a couple nights. 
Yeah, I would say so. If she has a change of clothes, then definitely. One thing that I didn't mention already. So her brother, O'Brien, was 10 at the time. And he did say that at sometime after her their dad had went in and checked on them around 2.30 in the morning, he woke up to Asia like standing in the room. Apparently, she'd gotten out of bed and like her bed squeaking and woke him up. And he noticed her like standing there. And then he just assumed that she had, like, gone to go to the bathroom, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back to sleep. But apparently what they believe occurred is Aisha got out of bed. And at that point, that's when she left. She grabbed her backpack. It's believed that she had already previously packed her backpack because it, there wasn't a ton of noise of her putting everything in there. So if she was running away or deciding to go on an adventure of some sort, she would have been planning this for at least since before she'd gone to bed. Did they talk to any of her friends or teammates and ask if like she had talked about going anywhere? I don't know if they did talk to any of her friends or teammates. At this point, I mean, she this was pre like cell phones really and like online stuff. Yeah. So one thing they did say is the family didn't have like a computer for Asia to be able to like communicate with anybody outside. And so they're like, it's highly unlikely she like found a sex predator online or mm-hmm. found any sort of predator online. So I'm assuming they probably looked into some friends and family as well just to ask if she had mentioned anything, but nobody ever said whether or not she did. About three days after her disappearance on February 17th, police did end up finding some of her belongings that she had packed in her backpack. And this was on the ground in a doorway of a tool shed at an upholstery place that was right off of Highway 18 and really close to where people had thought they spotted her walking. The the things that they found in this pile of stuff were some candy wrappers, a pencil, a marker pen, and a hair bow. But they didn't find anything else. It's like maybe she had stopped there. Yes, like potentially just stopped there to relax for a little bit. Well, and if it was storming, maybe to get out of the storm. To take some shelter, yeah. Police continued to search for about a week and then they ended up calling off the search, the all hands on deck search, after they'd put in 9,000 hours of looking for her. Jeez. Which is a ton of hours. It's insane. And they're just searching the area where she had last been seen. I mean, in theory, a nine-year-old little girl walking wouldn't make it extremely far in that amount of time. Nothing came about until August 3rd, 2001. So it was a little bit over a year after Aisha had gone missing. And some construction workers found a black trash bag. And in the black trash bag was a second black trash bag that had her book bag and a few other items in it. But this was about 30 miles from where she was last seen. So the other items in this bag were a concert t-shirt that had the band new kids on the block on it and then a children's book called Elliott's pool by dr seuss investigators did say that they looked into it and neither of them were believed to belong to asia they know the shirt for shirt in it but the book was from the library from asia's school they just didn't know that she had this book right is it possible that there was like a trash can with a bag that had these items in and then someone else threw the other bag in and then took all of it maybe and dumped it Potentially. That seems weird, though, because why would you go dump it as opposed to just letting the trash pick it up and literally, like, destroy the evidence in a landfill? I, yeah. The thing is, 
in my head and i don't know what it is i don't know if it's because of the cases that we've covered or what bias i have against construction sites but finding evidence for a missing person at a construction site is never good in my brain yeah because it's not just going to show up there by happenstance like you went onto this construction site that you know sometimes it is blocked off not always but why is that a thing that seems like a terrible place to try to hide evidence but am I wrong in saying that, like, we see this all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely pops up a lot. So in my head, I just, like, something's found in a construction site, and I immediately am, like, not good. So police decide that they're going to now, officially, they're like, there's 100% foul play involved. And they're like, even if she left her home on her own accord, something happened after she left. They also said that they found a pair of men's khaki pants near this trash bag. But they ruled it out and said it's not relevant. And they never found any I, evidence of like blood or DNA or anything? No. I want to know though what made them just immediately be like, these khaki pants mean nothing. Right. Maybe it was the fact that there was no blood or maybe it was because it was a construction site and maybe it belonged to one of the construction workers. I don't know. Things went pretty quiet again for a few years. For about 14 years. And in 2015, the sheriff's office, the FBI... And the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation decided to reopen the case and to review all of the evidence, top to bottom, start over, and come at it with a fresh eye. Apparently, this investigation and reexamination led to over 350 leads, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. One of the leads that they had announced that they had come across was that Asia potentially had been seen getting into a dark green 1970s Lincoln Continental Mark IV or a Ford Thunderbird. This wasn't announced publicly until 2016 when they released images of the vehicle models. I don't know if this is like, I don't know where this came from. I couldn't find where it came from. I kind of gathered from the articles that I was reading that the police got some scrutiny for holding this information back. Because it went from believing that she just walked off completely on her own to like the police being like, nah, she most likely got in a car with somebody else. Then once again, there's a pause in the case. And in 2018, the investigators come out and they release photos of the book and the shirt that they found in the book bag. And they're hoping that this will kind of bring some interest back to the case, get some word out about it. And they get a bunch of tips that come in, but nothing really pans out. And then, Abby, this is this is our favorite thing. In November of 2020, the newspaper called The Star receives a letter from an inmate saying that he knows what happened to Asia. And his name is Marcus Mellon. And at the time, he was 53. And he tells them that that Aisha had been killed, and he knows how and where to find her. Okay, well, pretty concrete if he follows through with it. Sure. Correct. So he asks investigators to come see him, and he'll tell them what happened if they come visit him. This is exactly what he said in his letter. Aisha Degree has been missing for over 20 years. About four months ago, I found out about her whereabouts and what had happened to her. She was killed and then took and buried. I do know how and what town she is in. I hope you get this letter and do come see me. It initially just sounds like he wants attention, but like, I mean, you can't not follow it up. Exactly. And that's what police kind of were thinking, but they were back and forth. So the reason Marcus was in prison was he 
had been convicted in 2014 of sex crimes against children. So it sounds like he's probably just playing with the police. He is sentenced to 14 years in prison. Where he's currently at is called the Alexander Correctional Institute. Now, Abby, I know this is like a super minimal thing that occurred last year, but what was something that happened last year that kind of impacted everyone? COVID? Yes. Oh, I was so like, am at I this institute. This wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. At this institute, there was a giant COVID 19 outbreak. So police mm. were like, we can't come in and talk to you yeah. at the moment. So from when this article is until now, there are no updates on this because that letter came in in November of 2020. We're recording this in July of 2021. I don't see any updates. I don't know if the COVID thing is calmed down in that institute. I would think it probably is by now, but I don't know if they've had the chance to talk with him, if he no longer is willing to talk to them. But the investigators and the FBI did say as soon as they had the opportunity to go in there, they would go in and interview him. Like they couldn't set up like a Zoom call or even just do a phone call. Apparently not. And I don't know if that was like the FBI didn't want to do that for one reason or another, or if Marcus was just like, I am adamant that you have to be here in person. If Marcus is adamant that he ha- they had to be there in person, I really feel like he's lying and he just wants attention. Mm-hmm. I agree. If you're really wanting to like tell somebody about something that had happened, you'd be willing to do it over a Zoom call or a phone call or whatever. You'd make it work. But I feel like he's already playing with them just because of the way he wrote the letter and the fact that he refused to talk to them. Yeah, sounds like either tension or he's hoping to get like some time shaved off his sentencing for information and yeah. And part of me does wonder maybe if they do, they did talk to him and they just haven't released anything for one reason or another. Well, and like I said, that's potential because it is so recent. The The letter came in in November and now it's July, so it hasn't even been a year. So that's really all that I have on Asia. She went missing more than 20 years ago, but the FBI said that they're still constantly getting tips regarding her disappearance. Doesn't really surprise me. I don't think that any of them have panned out. They haven't told us that they have, but apparently 45 different tips came in in 2020. I mean, it's definitely still one of like the most popular cases. If you ever just do a Google search of like top 10 most mysterious disappearances or top disappearances that weren't solved, like her name pops up often on these articles it does it's because it's so crazy that she you know left the house we don't know all of the circumstances obviously did she leave the house because somebody asked her to did she leave the house completely on her own accord did she leave the house and come into trouble right away or did she i I don't know did she try to come back home and then something happened i think it's a lot of questions that we're probably never really going to have answers to and it's kind of sad yeah, I think the only way something big would happen is if we find either Aisha herself, her remains, if she was murdered, or like someone does come forward who was involved and is honest and like, you know, turns themselves in. But that's the problem with disappearances where there's just not really any sh- like sign of the person. Like there's nothing to analyze and study. We have her book bag, sure, but they're obviously not getting anything from that. Yeah. The FBI did release an age progress photo in 2020 of what she would look like as a 29 year old. So like Abby said, I mean, we'll post that on our social media, obviously. So if she's still maybe it's potential that she's still out there. I don't know. But that's what she they believe that she would look like at about 29 years old in 2021. So it's been officially 21 years since she disappeared. 
as it was 2000 when she february of 2000 so one thing that i think i like brushed on earlier i don't know if anybody like i don't know if you guys noticed it but february 14th was the day that she went missing that was also her parents wedding anniversary so it's still their wedding anniversary but it's also the anniversary of their daughter's disappearance and this year in february of 2021 they did a news interview where they talked about the disappearance and Aisha's mom Aquila said something that I want to quote because it made me think about something I think I've thought about it before but maybe we've talked about it it just really tugged at my heartstrings she said quote we've done everything in our power to find our child and bring her home even though she is 30 now she is still our child still the nine-year-old little girl that left end quote and like reading that I didn't like I thought about it before but that really is how how you'd see it. Like, she left home, yeah, 20, 21 years ago at nine years old. And technically, she'd be 30 now. But you can't imagine her being 30 because she was nine. You know, I, I don't know how you would. I always find it so hard to process these cases anyways. And I'm not the parent or the family member or anything. But, like, hearing her say that made me want to cry. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine not having you know, those questions answered as a parent, like that would be a very hard thing to overcome. Absolutely. So Abby, what what are your final thoughts on what you think happened with Aisha? Do you have Um, an opinion? I think my best guess is that somehow one way or another, someone else is involved in her leaving that night. It seems like, I don't know if maybe she ran into someone out in public or something and like they had like an adult or an older person, even like a teenager, had been talking to her and trying to convince her to like, you know, sneak off with them maybe because it seems weird that if it was like storming that night, the weather's not great, that she would still, even if she had plans to run away, you think she would wait. So I feel like she was meeting somebody maybe. I could see that. Yeah, like... They said, and obviously she would have had to walk by herself because she was seen by herself. Mm -hmm. So it would have been meet me at this place. Maybe it was meet me at this upholstery place that her, some of her belongings were found at. And she walked there and then met up with somebody and, you know. Who knows? I think those events will never know. But I do feel like I agree with you on that, that she probably left to meet up with somebody or it was something that was planned. If anybody has any information or any tips, you can call the FBI at 704-672-6100 or the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office at 704-484-4822. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.